Hey guys, this is Brooke Lewis Bellis. I am chilling with Elias, and you are listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Opa! Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, boo! Yo, Adrian! I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah! TV. Nice! Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Brooke, welcome to the cave. Thank you for joining me. Elias, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. And like I said before, Opa for all the listeners. And, you know, I just want to shout out to, I know we're going through a challenging crisis right now in the world, but, you know, let's stay focused, positive, forward moving as much as we can. And let's have fun. Opa. That's right. How how are you dealing with everything with the whole, you know, uh, self-quarantine and being in? How are you handling that? You know, that's a, that's a great opener. Um, well, well, first of all, let me tell you, I just spent some time, uh, you know, perusing your show again and listening to your interview with DJ Nash. And yeah. wow, what awesome. an inspiring interview. So I want to give props to, yeah, props to you and DJ and love a million little things. We're like obsessed. And I bring it up because obviously sure. we're catching up on yeah. some TV and streaming, right? But you know, the good news is I'm so blessed and grateful. My husband and I are healthy in LA. Um, my family's healthy back east. They're all over the place from, you know, Philly, Jersey, New York, and Florida. And that's the most important thing. And the other thing is that, you know, I, I mean, I was sick for two and a half months from Christmas on after I wrapped a TV pilot, which we'll talk about later. So I, my husband and I are starting to wonder ourselves. I mean, I was really, really sick for a long time. So now I feel like I've been isolated twice. Yeah. And for me, being a uh, little powerhouse, and I'm I have a real challenging time sitting still. So to keep it positive, again, most important, everybody's healthy. Then moving from there, um, you know, I am just forging ahead, and I got to be honest, and I'm blessed. Like I am busier than ever. I've been having a ton. You know, everything's moved online, and I do a lot of production work and acting stuff and promotional work online to begin with. So not that much has changed in that regard. And if anything, (laughs) you'll love this Elias and your listeners. Like, I feel like I keep joking with my, my agents, managers and publicists going, I don't know what's going on. I'm kind of like, you know, I think the A-listers all left town and left Hollywood and went to their like isolation at their, you know, like mansions or like whatever they have in Tahoe or (laughs) wherever. And so I think it's like trickling down to C-listers like me who are having more Skype interviews with casting directors than ever before. And I'm having tons of Skype and self-tape auditions. So it's been like kind of cool for me under crappy circumstances, know, you know, know. and so I'm really lucky right now, but super busy and still doing producing and everything, you know, virtually. Yeah, I, I get it completely because, you know, like this podcast, I do it on the side, but during the day I do IT and right now I get to work from home, but I'm busy all day because I'm like remoting it to people's computers, you know, because I work with the school district. Everybody's going home. Everybody's working from home now. That's like a challenge right there, oh, you yeah, know, talking to sure. teachers and students, and, and then I do this on the side, and now I'm getting hit with a lot of emails, because, you know, like, people are at home, they want to do interviews, and it's like, I'm doing this at night when the kids go to bed, but it's well worth it. It is, and you've had a great lineup again. I, I'm really impressed with the people that you, the guests you've had on your show. So I'm happy to be one of them. Thank mm-hmm. you again. But yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. And it, I think it's a nice way that it opens up the world for a deeper connection in yeah. some ways. And so yeah. that that makes me happy that people are more open to, you know doing interviews, streaming, and et cetera, et cetera. And same thing with me. I'm so excited. So you, yeah, you've been busy the last few years, you know, with TV, film, uh, writing, producing, and also life coach. I have been busy my entire life, <laughs> especially my entire adult life. Honestly, I don't know. I don't. I sleep four hours a night. I never stop. But it's been a great, great couple of years. It really has. And you know, you go through as an actress, producer, writer, all of the above. You know, you go through these ebbs and flows for all the listeners. And I've certainly ebbed and flowed so much throughout my life and career. So when I'm on the, you know, sort of uphill climb, I'm that much more grateful and I, I move that much faster because I don't want it to stop. Mm. You know, you don't want to come fall down that hill. 
so I'm trying not to like fight the current and kind of go with it. But yeah, a lot of good stuff is going on. So I was doing some research. So you were born in Philadelphia. How was it growing up there in the Philly? I love Philly. Come on, all the Boston people know what it's like growing <laughs> up in Philly. Very similar city. Oh, yeah. You know, it is. We're like, right, like small New York town. And I loved Philly. It was, you know, you know, the Eagles. Come on, my Eagles. The sports teams. It's such a sports team town. It's such a food town. It's such a, even though people are mouthy and sassy like I am. Come on, you can take the girl out of Philly to New York to Hollywood. But That's you can't right. take the Philly out of the girl. And that's how I feel, and I, you know, I miss that brotherly love. I have to say, I've been in Hollywood now for quite some time, and I do miss the brotherly love. I miss the Italian food. I miss everything. But, but Elias, I'm sharing this for you intentionally. Nobody had better Greek food than when I lived in Astoria, Queens, oh in God. New York for I've the been, last couple of years. I've been there. there a few times. It's great there. OMG, the best Greek food. I've never been to Greece yet. I will make it happen. But the best Greek food ever. In fact, one place that if you ever get back there, have you been to Elias Corner? I have not been there. I think, is that newer? I think it's recently, right? I don't even know if it's open. I have to be honest. We've been here for so long. But Elias Corner was in Astoria, and the chefs were straight from Greece, and they only took cash. No credit cards, you know, and this was a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. but they had the most authentic, I swear, I think they, like, shipped the seafood straight from Greece. I mean, it, it was out of this world. I, b- I believe it. I believe it. And the, the thing about the Greeks is, like, mm-hmm. like the old school Greeks, yeah, they don't want to do uh, credit cards, stuff like that. They want cash. But the Italians, <laughs> come like, on. That's right. It's It's a European thing. That's right. It is, you know, and I mean, you know, I play a lot of mafiosa roles in my That's career, right. like right. Sinatra Club and mafiosa the sitcom, and so I'm well versed. <laughs> so, like, growing up in like in Philly, like, how did you like get into the acting world? Do you have any idea, like, you th- that's what you wanted to do? I've always known that I was born to be an actress. I was a little kid, very, very emotional child. My parents were divorced when I was two, and I was alone a lot. And I would sit by the television, and I would chat with the characters on my favorite shows and talk to them back and forth like I was actually in the, you know, in the TV. And so a little kooky, hey, but you got to be kooky to be an actress, you know, or an actor. So that started at a very young age. I was singing and dancing at a very young age, and I really sort of cultivated my inner strengths and my joy through the arts. And so I was taking some singing lessons and dance classes at a very young age and then started doing musical theater locally in high school. And that's how it kind of all begun. Then I went to college and was going to give up my dreams and was going to straight to law school. And at that very end of that, I said, you know what? I cannot, I have to live life authentically. That is what I, who I am. It's what I know. And it may be more challenging and I probably would have made a ton more money as an attorney, (laughs) but I decided to not go to law school and to go straight to New York and pursue my dreams to be an actress. Mm. That's a, you went for what you wanted for. Like you, sometimes you just have to go for it. You do. You really do. I always say you, like the, my, one of my favorite words is be inspired, you know, and life is challenging. We all know that. And I'll be the first to tell you that I'll never say it isn't because it is, but you have to be inspired. And if you don't have dreams and you don't have passion, and you don't have inspiration, you're not fully living. And so again, with all the challenges and I tell younger actresses and I speak at a lot of film forums and stuff, and I always say, you know what, even if you follow your passion and your dreams on a smaller scale, do it do it because you never know where the road will take you. And look at me. I'm a, you know, I was a little girl in Philly and I sit here sometimes and I pinch myself. I really do. Um, My husband and I got married last year at the famous Houdini estate in, you know, like Beverly Hills area, West Hollywood. And we leased the Houdini estate and had so many of my wonderful, beautiful, obviously my family and friends came out, his family and friends came out and we had the rest of our celebrity friends here. And I, like I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to pinch myself sometimes a lot because it's hard to believe that. And I say it so humbly, like I joked before, you know, I'm not, I'm not an A-lister, you know, but like I really sit here sometimes and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, in some crazy way, I made it. You know, I've been making a living acting and producing for many years and I'm in Hollywood and I'm living the dream, although sometimes painful and difficult, you know, yeah. I'm here, I'm doing it and I'll never quit. How, how many years have you been out in L.A. now? I've been in L.A. for almost 18 years. Wow. It'll be 18 wow. years. Long time. Yeah, yeah straight from yeah. New York, right out of college. So, you know, I'm dating myself. I've been doing this for 20 years more. Yeah. Uh, a little over that if you count college and stuff. And so I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. And I have faced many challenges in the industry and I just continue to forge ahead. Even now, even now with the world crisis that's going on, you know, yeah. I've got so many great things cooking. We're in post-production on a bunch of projects that we shot last year. We've got a bunch of stuff coming out. I, I'm actually producing and starring in a, a like little sort of, podcast series or web series or new media series, whatever you want to call it, that one of my favorite, favorite directors, Joshua Butler, and I shot a proof of concept for in October. And we are now bringing it fully to fruition <laughs> while we are quarantined at home. So we are filming the rest and doing all post-production virtually. And it's it's kind of cool. You know, I'm learning stuff every day. That's awesome. So would you... You said you've been there for 18 years. When you first moved out to L.A., like, how was it compared to, like, you know, growing up in Philly and then, you know, living in New York and, like, all of a sudden, okay, you did the L.A. thing. Like, how, what's the – did you get scared at all while you were there? So it's very scary. I get scared after 18 years. <laughs> I get scared every day in my yeah. life here in a way, you know, um, because if you think about it, you really kind of are and respectfully now things are changing so much and you can live anywhere and pursue a creative career. You yeah. know, the Atlanta is Hollywood South and you've got Vancouver and you've got New Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, Hollywood really is in some way the, the height of where you go, you know? And so for me, it's so different. Again, I started out in Philly. It's where I got my Actors' Equity Association, you know, union uh, card very young in in Philly at some of the, like the Walnut Street Theater Company, or Theater Company, and then went right to New York. And one of my very first, I always call it my little big break, was Tony and Tina's Walton off in New York. It's an equity contract. I did seven shows a week for three years. Me, a really great agent in New York. And I was like living large. And so life was good. I mean, think about it. You're young. You're right out of college. You're making great money. You have full health insurance and vacation days and sick days. And, you know, it was really an incredible, incredible time in my life. So that was a fairly easy you know, transition to go from Philly to Jersey to New York. But coming to L.A. was so different. And I've spoken about this a lot where, you know, you have to really understand the world in Hollywood. And when they joke, my grandmother, who rest her soul, you know, used to joke with me and say, oh, why are you going to go there? There's we, we have no nepotism there. And we really don't. So everything really is that old cliche, like it's all who you know, it's all who whoever who you're married to, you know, and it's the truth. So when I came here, I had had tons of training in New York. I had done this show for three years. I had made, you know, a decent living as an actress there for a couple of years and had a great agent, et cetera, had a lot of indie films under my belt. I mean, right out of college, I was, we were at Tribeca Film Festival. We were at, you know, going to Sundance Film Festival all the time. And no one cared when I got to Hollywood. The big question was, okay, but where's your half hour? One hour, where is your and I had done what some soap opera stuff in New York, little roles, you know. And I had been, I had screen tested, which is what brought me out to California. I was screen testing for some sitcoms out here, and then it was just time to make that natural progression. Yeah. So I did. Sometimes I questioned, did I come too soon? You know, because I still don't have the television resume that I wish I did. You know, where I wish I had series regular after series regular. But that's not where my career has headed just yet. And hopefully that will change in the future. So and I always speak very authentically and honestly, you know, I know my station in this industry and I know the successes I've had and I know the failures I've had. And I hope that something I say, you know, maybe if some young listeners are listening where you are right now to your show, they will hear us and they will go, wow, you know what? that was amazing that Brooke shared that because maybe it will help someone not make all the mistakes that I made. So it was a little bit tougher when I came out here and very 
you know, very different. I mean, there the people are just so much, and you know this on the East Coast, and I shout out, you know, just it's a different energy. It's yeah. a different vibe. They're just a little more, you know, they speak the truth. I remember when I was young and going up for like major roles in major movies in New York, and the casting directors would say to me as I'm walking out the door, Brooke, you crushed it. You crushed that audition for the Robert De Niro film. But I'm going to be honest with you. You look just a little too young for that role right now. Or they're looking for, you know, a tall, skinny blonde. Or And it was great because you knew where you stood. L.A., I mean, it really is the old cliche. And I'm not being negative. I'm telling the truth where it's like they will tell you you did a great job to your face. And then you leave the room and they have all negative crap to say you know so it's very different you have to get used to it and you have to it you have to have that old cliche thick skin you really do and I was very fortunate when I came out here because a lot of my friends had transitioned about two years before I did like friends that I went to acting school with in New York and friends from college and so I was fortunate to have a great support system here established already when I moved out I don't know how I would have handled it otherwise but I did and I mean we were we were rock stars we were out on the sunset strip and partying you know at oh my gosh I mean all the great great restaurants and clubs and pubs and everything you know back in the day I mean 18 years ago it's a long time ago now and I cherish it I don't know that I would change that for anything and I think that you know where I am now where we stand now whoever we are wherever you are listening like where you are is just where you are supposed to be in this moment and everything you've done up until this moment has brought you. Mm. You know, I try to look at it from a spiritual perspective and at the same time, you got to fight for it. You got to fight for what you want. That's why when I moved here, I went after acting and making a living acting for four years. You know, I went and took producing classes, went to producing school, started producing friends, short films, et cetera, et cetera, so that I could create Philly Chick Pictures, my production company, because I wasn't being met with the opportunities I had been met with in New York. And I went back to New York a lot for the first, I would say, five years that I was here to act in like those raw indie films that I missed, that I still miss that are a rare find here in Hollywood. So again, listeners like go out there and create and get, go after what you want. And that's really what I did. And I started producing here, partnering with production companies I had worked with back in New York and I was going back and forth. And that's how some of the films like kinky killers on showtime with turning and dog day. Mm. from Eddie and the Cruiser Streets of Fire came to pass, you know, and then I Murders that I got to play one of the ensemble leads in opposite Tony Todd Candyman and Gabrielle Anwar from Burn Notice and Frank Grillo and Billy D. Williams. And I mean, I really have been very lucky with the incredible talent I've had the opportunity to work opposite, but I've also had my hand in creating a lot of it and working very hard. And you mentioned all like all those movies and indie films stuff like that, even like the horror or stuff like that. Like you've been given the nickname Scream Queen. How how do you feel about that? I have, haven't I? <laughs> this 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 uh this East Coast chick who did all the mobster shows and mobster movies That's somehow right. became a Scream Queen, right? Out in Hollywood. You know, look, I was a girl growing up in the eighties and I loved once we got that that VHS, forget it. I know I just dated myself again, but once we got that VHS, I was done. I used to sit and obsess and watch like every like playback over and over again, the Friday the thirteenth and all these great films and the Halloweens and I loved Texas Chainsaw Massacre, still do the originals. So I grew up watching those films and I loved horror. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I was gonna become a known scream queen but again sometimes you know like i said before you know it's like what takes you from point a to point b to point c and it happened really the inspiration was i went to sundance film festival 2004 and was there and i was like a visionary i was like i so the original saw had been playing there you couldn't get in and the people who could get tickets were coming out like screaming and i'm like oh, wow, like there's something going on with this like psychological horror, thriller, torture. And I went back to a production company that I had worked with back in New York and they had been wanting to partner with me on something in LA. And so I said, here's the deal. Write me, 
go watch Saw when it releases, write me a, like one of the lead roles and will surround me with named actors because at that point, I mean, I had, I'm trying to think I hadn't even done Fox sitcom quintuplets yet at that point. That was summer of 2004. So this is like January, you know, of 2004. And I'm like, then I had been doing, you know, mostly like raw indie films and going back to New York, like I said, and then I said, write me like a lead role and we'll surround me with the actors. And that's what we did. We packaged the film and it took a couple of years to produce and pre, you know, go into pre-production and have the script to where it is and raise the financing. We did it. And so long story long, how it really happened becoming a scream queen is such a long story. We had this great, like, psychological thriller, kind of like the crime thriller sort of, and but with an occult sort of theme. And so again, did I think I was going to become a scream queen? No, <laughs> but we package it. I played the brunette lead and I'm in this with, like I said, Charles Durning and Michael Prey, Eric Edabari, who's also a dear friend of mine now from Witchblade and the TV series and everything. He's a great actor and all these great actors. And so next thing you know, um, the film gets picked up we go to the film market that year and i'm jumping so i won't take your you know two hours of time up right now we go to the film market that year and universal the vendi picks it up which is a subsidiary of universal this is now 2007 and once we finished production and delivered the film and then showtime came and wanted to do a buyout with us so we did and i mean i'm telling you i had done at that point you know network sitcoms i had done um all those raw indie films that had gone to sundance before and stuff and here i am and in my wildest dreams i never could have imagined that it releases on dvd back then obviously and then showtime picks it up they air it three nights a week for two years like my manager calls how much are you on showtime <laughs> what in the world I had done, you know, all the old, but Broadway, performed on Broadway, and like all of a sudden here it goes. And so, next thing you know, they, so my art producers are like, okay, so it was originally titled Polycarp, and they released it as Kinky Killers. I always say Charles Journey must be like rolling in his, <laughs> I'll rest his soul. And so I called for my manager at the time, and they said, you need to come to the office. And I thought, that's it. I'm getting dropped. Like, here I am, this trained actress. They signed me. Like, they're going to say, okay, she's in a movie titled Kinky Killers. That's the end of it. And I think my career's over. I get to the office. There's a stack of fan mail from the table to the top. For me, there's all these, like, you know, back, I'm dating myself again. But I mean, there's a notepad paper just sticking like, okay, they would like to come out to this horror convention, you know, in Indiana, and they're calling you the new It Scream Queen. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And they're willing to pay you a lot of money to come out to perform at the horror convention, you know. And I'm just like, this is a whole new world that I only knew as a fangirl years prior, you know. Right. And so I'm like, of course. And at this point, you know, you've been doing it for quite some time. And I was still very young, obviously, but I embraced it. Instead of fighting, I went with the current, like I talked about before, and I stopped fighting it. I'll take the title of a famous Scream Queen. I ended up going on to do Slime City Massacre, which was a sequel to the 1988 cult classic. We shot that in 2009. In fact, our 10-year anniversary is coming up. So shout out to Greg Lamberson and the amazing Debbie Rashawn and Lloyd Kaufman of Trauma fame. And so I ended up doing these awesome, awesome, like smart horror films that even if they were campy and crazy, like Dahmer versus Gacy that Ford Austin cast me in. But again, with like Art LaFleur and um, all these great actors that were in these films that were not just, quote unquote, you know, the, the type of horror filmmakers or people. And I say it respectfully because I love the horror genre. The fan base is incredible. But these people sometimes who go out and now, nowadays, you know, they make these micro budget films and they have horrendous effects and pour blood on girls' boobs. And yeah. that's not the type of horror that I've ever done, right? It's not what I've been a fan of all these years. And so, so I just embraced it. And I'm like, you know what? If this is where they see me, if this is where they want me to be known and famous, then I will embrace it. I will take this and I will move forward with this and I will create something spectacular for myself whenever the opportunity comes. And so I did. 
And then that led me, like I said, to Eye Murders, to Slime City Massacre, which then I ended up winning. And I say this humbly and graciously, I won the B-Movie Award for Scream Queen of the Year 2010 for Slime City Massacre when it released. So again, and I, you know, and I, then I ended up on the cover of every horror magazine that was, you know, hard copy magazines back then 10 years ago. And I was Gore Zone, which was like a sort of like a really high-end horror magazine, the gourmet of August 2010. And so again, never did I imagine this, you know, and never did I stop pursuing my other dreams and never stop pursuing television. And, you know, again, I went on to do things in many genres, like shout out again to Sinatra Club, that in fact, around the same time frame, I found that script in 2004. And we produced it. We're in pre-production, raising the financing, you know, again, like a $2 million film we're talking. We're not talking about a micro-budget piece. And we end up producing it. We shoot it. Now, you hear what I'm saying, listeners, all you filmmakers out there or everybody who's, like, aspiring to be. We found the script. I found the script 2004. We shot it. 2009, it got delivered and distributed in 2011. Wow. Think about the amount of years I just mentioned, right? Seven yeah. years from inception to distribution and release. Okay, so there's that. And that's a mobster movie I'm so proud of. I played a supporting role in that because I loved the project so much. And it's really about the night that John Gotti became John Gotti and Sal Ubas Polisi's personal story. And I got to act in that with Jason Gedrick and Danny Nucci from Titanic and Michael Norrie from Flashdance and Ellen Holman from Spartacus and so, again, the list goes on and on, you know, and so it's, like, mind-blowing when I think about these indie films. And again, I feel like my era of the indie, yes, there were films that were made for no budget, like my favorites, like the Brothers McMullen back in the day, and, and you know, then Swingers, which had a bit higher budget than that, and, you know, some name value attached to it, et cetera. But, like, for me, when I talk about the indies, I mean those indies that were the half a million dollar to two million dollar indies that are so challenging to find make and raise financing for now Mm. it's funny how you mentioned swingers because when people tell me about indie movies i was like you want to watch an indie movie i always tell them go watch that first i don't know why i don't know what it is about that movie it's just it's one of my favorite movies me too and it's brilliant that's why it's brilliant in every way it has everything that a great indie film should have it has the great script and i always tell people for me whenever people give me a direct offer for a film they're like well you want to do it i'm like it's it's, i have to read the whole script i have to read the script it's about the script it starts with the story and no one will tell me otherwise then look at that cast incredible with chemistry how they all work together great direction and a really cool fun theme that even though it was shot in Hollywood and all about the Hollywood industry, anyone could fall in love with that picture. They could be in Nebraska, right? That's right. And it still makes sense. Kind of like segueing around, and I'm sure you're going to ask me about it later, but it make, it's a perfect opening to talk about Half New Year, which oh, is a film yeah. that I got to play one of, right? One of the leads yeah. in, and it got released on on-demand TV in September, and now it's made its way to Amazon Prime and Vudu and everywhere and iTunes, so check it out, everyone. But why I bring it up is it is shot in Hollywood, but, and it's about a group of friends and the trials and tribulations they go through as they move from wherever they came from to Hollywood. And like the tagline is, you know, um, friends are the family you get to choose. And there's so much truth in that. And now this is a much lower budget than like a swingers, but it has that heart. And that's what attracted me to it. When Drew McEnany, who is my, you know, real life and on screen little brother star of the film, one of the writers, along with Georgia, along with Georgia Manides, Manitis in America, but Manides, you know, in Greece, <laughs> uh, another Greek. Yes, in fact, we went to the Greek Film Festival last year, and we won the Audience Award, just so you know that if you ever get a chance, Elias, to come out for the Greek Film Festival, you should. It is spectacular, and every major player in Hollywood, from Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson to Nia Vardalos to Sofia Milos to on and on, the Mandalores, who I've worked with many times, Costa and Louis Mandalore, who are just wonderful, and Louis is my friend, and I just got to act in a pilot with him, and so it's festival so we won the audience award for half new year and tom rash directed it so why i bring it up again is it's something i'm so proud of it's it's 
about horror and I love horror to pieces. I'm doing a horror piece right now with my, you know, darling Joshua Butler. And we'll talk about that later, but it is just a very heartfelt film with a purpose, a comedy dramedy with a purpose. And that is what I think is missing so much in cinema now although maybe it is starting to change in segue like i watch some of the little you know low budget films on netflix and i think they're fantastic and look if i could act in indie films with heart and soul for the rest of my days i would be really happy mm. isn't it great about this industry how the way it's gone now where it's like like you can just make anything and it doesn't even have to go to the movie theaters anymore it could just go right to like you know netflix or amazon prime or something like that and it's still content that you're producing you want me to be honest? <laughs> you want me to be honest with your listeners? Yeah, go I, ahead. Um, yeah, so, the, so, so 100% what you said is true, and 50% of me would, would get on board and be like, Elias, you said it, and you did, and, you, and it's the truth. And it has opened up doors, you know, and it really did start, again, in my heyday, which was like 2007 to 2011, like 2008, 2009, like when digital, remember, I had the fortunate opportunity to shoot and act in Kinky Killers for Showtime on 35 millimeter film. Same thing with Eye Murders, you know, and then we went digital once we hit Sinatra Club in like 2009. So the challenge with that, as you know, back then was that once the digital and HD started, and then it wasn't nearly as expensive as film. Everybody you know went out, bought a camera at Best Buy, and called themselves a filmmaker. Mm. And you could. And there is a blessing and a curse in that. That's why I'm saying I'll speak the truth. You know, there's such a blessing and a curse because that's also when content gets incredibly oversaturated. And look, everything I've done, you know, whether it's my web series, whether it's my Ms. Vampy series, like what I commit I've done I've I've been forced because I want to act I act I've been forced to produce short films so that I can show that I actually have some acting chops somewhere you know and show the kind of roles that I dream to play that I don't get the opportunity to do all the time in Hollywood right so it has afforded us that and I can make and you know I've made $10,000 short films whereas I know some people are making $500 short films whatever you can do but my my where I stand on that strongly is do it with quality. However low your budget is, you can still create quality content. You know, with all my Ms. Vampy shows, we went into studios and shot with proper art direction, you know, proper equipment, proper crew. That's the only thing that drives me crazy about the idea that anyone can make it now. I still stand behind, you know, go to school, even if it's an online course, good on you, you know, do it, study, yeah. learn, and trust me, in our 40s, we're veterans. It's like the frustration conversation where my friends who are like DGA and have worked their butts off to gain the position that they're in where they get to direct feature films and television, you know, and it's that they're competing out with young kids who have never taken a on how to direct in their life, know. you know, and these people paid bazillions of dollars, right, to go to like NYU or USC film school. So it's it's a different world. And so that's the positive negative to me is that anyone can do it, mm. you know. So I still want the listeners to to go out there and, and make the choice, make the powerful choice that if you're going to make a movie or a web series or a new media series now or a streaming series, you know, A, it's more competitive than ever because there's that much content now, whereas there never used to be that much content. Remember, the studios back in the day oh, yeah. ran everything, and then they had the subsidiaries, right? So, like, the the greatest indie films were the Miramax films, were the Fox Searchlights, you know. Now it's a different world, and so please, listeners, like, go out and make quality content and learn how to do it because you can there's the beauty in it you can you have these opportunities now where you can but what does it say for veteran filmmakers and actors and you know look i mean and i'm honest like and i don't mean to sound negative because i'm a very positive person but you know it's funny now and i'll share with your listeners elias like what i've experienced lately where I'll be, let's say, if I get a direct offer in a film and I get to sit behind the scenes and go to the producer sessions 
and I'll watch these great actors come in and they'll say, oh, Brooke, you know, you're a veteran and like we trust your opinion. Who do you think was the best actor? And I'll pick my best actor. And they'll say, you know, yeah, he was great. But actor C over here has a million followers on Instagram. So, you know, it really would behoove our indie film to choose to cast him instead. So that's what we're going to do, you know? And you're like, oh my goodness, right? How does it make me feel as an actress? It's like, oh my gosh, like, there's, I can't compete with that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it, it's social media has ruined things in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Yeah. It has, and yet again, fifty-fifty, right? Yeah. Like you can look at the beauty in it yeah. and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I mean, we've made friends, fans follow. I have fans that I chat with on social media on Twitter from Uzbekistan. You know, I get fan mail from literally China, Uzbekistan, Russia. Spain, Italy, you name it. And they can say hello to me and say, thank you for sending me the autographed picture. You know, thank you for sending my daughter an autographed photo. And they're in Uzbekistan, (laughs) you know, like what world, right? So that's a beautiful thing. But then you get the people who are promoting themselves falsely, as we know, you know, look at, listen, I'm going to, I'll, I used to host shows like I'll bring you up. Like, how does it make you feel Elias when I know And let me say this to the listeners, because, again, I've been doing this for 20 years and I've been on thousands of interviews, whether it be in magazines or podcasts or radio shows or you name it. And I know now we choose my publicist and I choose, you know, and put me on the quality ones. And yours is incredibly quality. I'm not blowing smoke like your website's beautiful. You ha- you're welcome, and you deserve it, and I know you're working your butt off, and I know that you're keeping it. You're choosing powerfully to keep it at a level where you're having quality guests. My goodness. I mean, I, like I said, I listen to your podcast, and it's awesome, and kudos to you for doing it, but I know you're working your butt off. So how does it make you feel when all these quote-unquote podcasts pop up or radio shows quote-unquote pop up daily who have not even you know, bothered to do their diligence to like scratch the surface of like what you've been putting into this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right about that. Cause like, I've been doing this for like almost three years and then, you know, celebrity a brings one out. I'm like, great. Like, how am I going to compete? How am I going to compete with celebrity a, when I'm just an independent yep. podcast? And you're not, I'm not, that's right. Yeah. And you're not, you're not. And that's the choice. So you're going to be you. You're going to be amazing. You're going to keep putting in the hard work and keep keeping your celebrity guests at a certain level and keep creating quality content. And that's it. And you're going to be grateful and blessed and you're going to shine and you just got to be you. And that's probably the most powerful thing I could share with any listeners because that's the space I'm in. Look, I've done over 50 film and television in my career. I've done Broadway. I've gotten to star with Oscar nominated actors and I am so fortunate, but there's many people who don't know who I am, you know, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I have to get to that point where I accept it, and that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, I've had other podcasters that have talked to other people, and it's come back to me before. They're saying, like, who's this person that he has on? Why does he have a podcast? And I'm like, I don't care who comes on because I want to just talk to them. You know, I want to hear their mm-hmm. story. It's like, I don't care if they're not huge. That, yep. that doesn't bother me at all. Yep. Good for you. As long as they're interesting, in my opinion, as long as they're interesting, as long as they are accomplished in something and not falsely, you know, again, going back to like how people present themselves on social media where everybody looks like a celebrity now. Right. So what does it do to the true artists and the true people have been doing this for years and years and years? And so like, I'm, I'm grateful to be on your show. Absolutely. And like I said, I'm listening to DJ Nash. And I know you had our, our my little darling Jacob Hopkins. You know, I work with oh, his yeah, mom, Deborah. Awesome. Yeah. And he's such a superstar. He's amazing. What a young, cutie pie talent. And I work on his mom, Deborah's um, charity, Breaking the Chains Foundation, for people who are challenged with body, uh, you know, body image, um, eating disorders and like, um, you know, self-esteem issues. And it is to cultivate uh, all of those challenges and, and heal through the arts of all kinds from acting to painting art to dance art. And so everybody check out, check out breaking the chance foundation. I'm a celebrity ambassador with Deborah. 
And so that's how I know Jacob so well, you know, both through Cats PR, but I just adore him. And I mean, talk about a little star, you know, so you've, you've got the quality guests on. Mm-hmm. So keep it that way. So here, I got a good question for you. Like what hat do you like to wear the most? Cause you know, you, like I said, you've done the acting, producing, writing, and we'll talk a little about the life coach after, but like what hat do you like wearing the most? So I'm an actress through and through and through and through and through. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everyone that. They're like, but you're such a great, right? Like, but you're such a good producer. You're a great writer. You, you know, and I've made money doing all of it. I am an actress. The only reason, and I am honest, the only reason that I ever produced, that I ever started producing, that I ever created Philly Chick Pictures was so that I would be able to leverage in some way, you know, acting jobs and think about it. Like I think about it. And again, I'm, you know, I say it humbly, but I'm proud because I worked for it. Like, would they have ever cast me the production company back in New York? Would they've ever cast me as one of the leads in, you know, a million dollar film kinky killers on Showtime. Had I not been one of the producers as well? Probably not. They would have gone with a way bigger name. And we're talking, you know, now, I mean, that inception of that was 2004. So think about it many years ago. Now I've accomplished a lot more. But, you know, same thing with I Murders. And I love Robbie Bryan and Christy Patello are my director. Robbie Bryan, you know, are my family. And we did I Murders all together. And would I ever have been able to play one of the ensemble leads if I hadn't back then? You know, if I hadn't been one of the producers, probably not. Because what people need to go back to remember, any filmmakers who are listening, it is a business. And I think that that's something that people fail to remember too often. It is a business. It is show business. It's not show friend. And so you kind of have to bring something to the table. You know, same thing with me with Sinatra Club, same thing with Slime City Massacre. So all my bigger, you know, roles to date for the most part have been projects that I was some type of producer on, working my butt off the whole way through behind the scenes with all the other producers. And that's kind of how it goes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so, right? how did, so yeah, that's why I yeah. produce and I'm honest about it. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. So how did you, cause I couldn't find anything on this. How did you fall as a, like a life coach? Like, how did you get into that? <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep that brief. Cause I'm not a, full, a fully functioning one at this time because I've been really blessed with all these great projects to act and produce. But yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because again, I want your, your listeners to hear how life can take you the segue around. So I became that well-known scream queen, you know, in like 2008. And then I had created a character. I had a marketing company that came to me and said, Oh, you're the new it screen queen. And they wanted to market me with these apps and try everything out. And again, we're talking like 2008, 2009 before anything was even happening in that digital world. And so they wanted me to be, and at the time I was obviously much younger and sexier and they wanted me to be like a, kind of like a playmate, you know, but like a playmate kind of vampire, like Brooke, Brooke, I was Brooke Lewis at the time. Now I'm Brooke Lewis Bellis, Brooke Lewis vampire goddess. And I'm like, listen, I took the meeting right in Beverly Hills. And I'm like, listen, there are a million way hotter, younger, you know, sex pot chicks around here, especially in horror and Hollywood. Like you don't need me. That's not what I want. It's not who I am. It's not my essence, you know? And so I then took the information. I was like, I think they're on to something. And again, I'm experimental. I'm a visionary. I'll try it. If I fail, I fail. And I have failed many times, listeners. So I created a one of the very first like web series. And at the time, I remember like researching web series. And, you know, the only people who were having success at it were like, like, Diddy, you know, like Puffy. I'm like, oh, right. Like with millions of dollars. So, so I partner up with a team and we create Ms. Bampy. And it came from what inspired me was, you know, people would say to me, they would used to say to me when I would do like the sexy horror photo shoots and stuff with the vampire fangs in, but you're so vampy. You're such a vixen. You're so vampy. And that's how Ms. Vampy was born because it was the essence of me. Comedy, mobster movies. I took like the history of my most exciting projects. Mm. And, but I wanted her to have positive answer your question. I wanted her to have positivity. I wanted her to have positivity and purpose no matter what we did with her. And it became a very successful, like award-winning web series, which I then took. So then everyone was saying, Oh, you're kind of like a new Elvira who's, you know, an incredible horror icon. I should only be as lucky as to have half her career, you know? And so 
I thought, well, but the thing is, like, I want to do something positive. And at the time, I started writing, and all this stuff happened. And so I created a show for teen girls. And we had written a, so really how it came to pass, which is a great story to share, we had written a feature film and then a TV series for teen girls with positive messages and Ms. Vampy. And when I was pitching it to a lot of the TV networks at the time, they would say, this is amazing, all these positive messages for teen girls, but you're like a horror star. You're like an Elvira. You're like, and so they couldn't connect the dots with how it could be positive, which is ridiculous. And thank goodness the industry and content has changed so much because now people receive it very differently. It's much broader, you know? So then I said, well, I'll show you. So here I go again and I'm financing it through Philly Chick Pictures and I create a talk show for teen girls to show them how Ms. Vampy could be a role model and a mentor for teens. It was called Ms. Vampy's Tween Talk, Teen Talk, and In Between Talk. Remember, she's a Brooklyn vampire. And so, again, it went on to be a huge success and award-winning and won a lot of, like, in, like inspiring women in film. So what ended up happening was, at that time, now it was, like, 2011, the economy had just crashed, and all of my investors pulled out of my production company, Philly Chick Pictures, and three projects that we had financed. And so it was the first time in my adult life that I was faced with, what will I do? I'm a single woman at the time. I just married my husband last year. I was single. I was, you know, fighting to stay in Hollywood with my family back east. And I'm like, what will I do? And I decided, you know what? I'm inspired. I'm going to go back to school. After two college degrees when I was young, I went down to San Diego and took a year worth of school and became a board-certified life coach. And that's how my company, Be You and Be Fearless Life Coach, happened and transpired. And really, the beauty of it was I – and I had a very successful business for a period of time. And I still coach clients when I want to, you know, but now it's when I choose to, not when – because I have to, you know. And so – why yeah and that's what inspired me to author books and i was you know making a lot of my living writing columns for the huffington post and some incredible you know publications and so i there's nothing i haven't done yes i'm an award-winning author two books uh ms vampy's teen talk there's a lot of ms vampy's teen talk there's a lot of power in your choices any moms listening to have like teenage girls it's a fun little exciting book on amazon and barnes and noble and coaching from a professed hot mess is my coaching book that I authored and again, graciously won many awards. So, you know, anything I do, I commit and try my, I hate trying, but try my best. I commit to doing the best I can with it. And so the interesting thing, again, circling back around is really all of that put together. And I kind of detoured intentionally for a bit to support myself and, you know, and so all of that sort of really taught me so much more about myself about myself as an actress, about myself as a producer and how to manage things, you know, in a more healthy way. And really what I'm still for all the listeners personally to share, which I'm talking about professionally, what I struggle with every day, every day, you know, and I share it with my husband a lot. We walk through it together, like creating boundaries, you know, and I'm not good at it. You know, again, I come from a big ethnic family, you know, not a big family, but a family, yeah. you know, big by me, like loud and emotional and back east. And so I'm here. And so, you know, we all carry our traits from childhood. And so for me, I'm very sensitive. And so I've, I feel like I've allowed in certain scenarios and in, in the industry and stuff to be taken advantage of and stuff like that. And so I really, it teaches me like, well, and I, of coaches that I have to go to shout out to Lori Bertazon and shout out to Michelle Colt. And, you know, I have my people in my stable, but I have to coach myself like every day and every moment, which is so useful with my tools to go, okay, how did that feel? And are you going to now, like when I get offered a film, like I was recently offered a horror film. And lately, fortunately, I've been sort of veering in the direction of more comedy again, more mobster movies again, more drama again. I haven't done a horror film, ironically, in years, years. So yet the Scream Queen moniker sticks and I embrace it. Hmm. But 
I've done so many other things. I've been doing much more television, like the new TV pilot stripped that we're in post-production with right now that stars Casper Van Dien that Mark Klebanoff wrote and directed with Christophe St. John. And they wrote the treatment before he passed. And Frank Krueger is in it. Larry Henkin and Jessica Morris and uh, Jenny Wenger and just an incredible, incredible cast. That fan and Louis Mandalore and Susan Linear Bramlett. And everybody knows these names again, veteran, veteran, wonderful, brilliant people and actors and we had the, the fortunate opportunity to do that in Reno, Nevada and shoot all December. And so why I bring it up is like I've been veering towards that more rather than horror. And so recently someone sent me a script and said, we want you to play one of the leads in it. And it was horror. And it just wasn't my cup of tea. I don't want to be disrespectful and say it was bad. It's yeah. my cup of tea. Where I want my career to go at this point in time. And so I have to... I remember all my tools from school and all my tools that I use with clients and now I have to do it to myself. It's very valuable. So for any listeners, like really when you get, when you are presented with an opportunity or an offer or a decision, really breathe, take a minute, sit with it and concentrate and say, and don't even think it because I always say, see how it feels because you know what our minds and our mind chatter can send us in the wrong direction and mine has more times than I can count but it's those times where I really sit with it and I feel how it feels in my heart and soul and in my gut and I'm like hmm this isn't resonating with me this isn't inspiring me this isn't moving me in some way and if it isn't life's too short I don't want it Mm. and I've made mistakes recently very recently with with this type of stuff and I'm not going to do it again and I, of course I will. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm so perfectly imperfect. It's ridiculous. I'm so imperfect. And like, I fail a lot, but like, you know, I'm going to be more mindful of the choices I make, especially, let me say this now, what we're dealing with, with COVID and, and Corona and isolation. Now's the time listeners that, you know, you really have extra time to choose and to think and to feel and to go, you know what? Life as we know it may be different. And so when I step forward into my future and every path is different, but for you, Elias, you know, I would challenge you, like when you step forward into your future with where you want your show to go and, and, you know, the type of guests, the type of listeners, like you have every right to choose and that's powerful. And so that's what I feel right now. Like, does this feel good? Is this supporting me in the way that I need to be supported in life? And vice versa. I give back a ton. You know that I do tons of charity work. I help people more than I should. And, you know, sometimes I suffer because of it. But, like, how does this feel? Does this feel good for me? Because if it feels good, then I'm going to choose it. It's, it's a good way to think about things. Like, when you get a script, how many times do you read it, like, before you make a decision? Or do you ever, like, stop halfway through? Great question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. Go yeah. ahead. Finish what you're going to say. I was going to say, like, do you, do, you, like, do you read it and go, eh, let me read it again, and then maybe change your mind a second time around? Or, <laughs> if you're like, like, how does it work with you? I love that question. So, for me personally, so, so I used to read it. Like, I have really strong instincts. And if I follow them, I lead myself down the proper path. Yeah. Sometimes I don't follow them. So, like, here's the, here's the truth. I, when I was a little bit younger, even 10 years ago, like, I would read a script. And if I found a role, my friends make fun of me, by the way. So if I found a role in it that I love, like, sometimes you'll read, like, a mediocre at best script. And yet there's a role in it that I just love that I want to sink my teeth into and I'm dying to play. And maybe I haven't played that type of role as an actress yet. And so I'll go, oh, I'll get like a little kid, you know, I get all excited and overzealous. And I'm like, oh, I got to do this movie. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to tell my manager, say yes for me. You know, let's, let's negotiate. And so I used to jump into things a little too soon. And then I would get myself into trouble, you know. And now I read it twice. So I'm glad you asked that to answer your question. I'll read it once. And if I really enjoy the script, then I'll search more into the character and see if it excites me and inspires me. So, yes, I usually read it twice. Sometimes on rare occasion, I'll read it once and I'll just know in my heart I have to do it or I'll know in my gut I don't want to do it. And sometimes you are correct, too. I will read. I try to. I'm very, I try to be very fair. I do that with watching television. I do that with watching films. I do that, you know, like I'll try to read it through its entirety. But if it's like, if I'm halfway and it is just atrocious, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. 
again, you know, and I think when I was younger, I did. But now life's getting shorter, you know, and time is precious. And I'd rather be, you know, spending time drinking wine with my girlfriends or spending time watching Netflix with my husband, you know, which we don't get to do. I mean, we haven't even finished Ozark yet. you know. (laughs) And like, it's time's too precious to waste. Yeah. Yeah. So what's so so like what's next for you in 2020? Like what do you have like a another goal? Like because you said you you know you've done acting, you've done writing, you've done producing, you've you name it, you've done it. What's next? I've done it. Yeah. So <laughs> well, once we get out of this mess here, um, right. so you know, really simply, my goal this year is to act. I just want to act. I have produce and now of course I'm producing something right now that I said we talk about and you're going to be one of the very first exclusives to get it but you know I went into 2020 and I went okay I I produced or executive produced or you know a bunch of stuff in the fall last year which was not expected I produced a 600 person wedding that almost killed me for two years where I thought I would end up like in a straitjacket so then in the fall, these incredible opportunities came to me. Like I mentioned, the TV pilot Stripped, yeah. which will be coming out this year. Super excited. And I got to play Jules, one of the leads. And she's a an eccentric publicist to Casper Van Dien, Chris Cameron. So what an incredible opportunity. And right before we left for Reno, Nevada to go film that all of December, I had another incredible opportunity. My psychotherapy amazing writer-director, Stacey Lane Wilson, wrote a piece with Darren Gordon-Smith this incredible like we talked about segueing back around to the little fun indie films this low budget indie titled the second age of aquarius and you've got two of the most fun eccentric talented brilliant writers who know everything about music in fact stacy lane wilson has her the documentary the ventures coming out this year so these two are just incredible and they wrote a script and she cast me in the role of tawny stevens who is a 1980s stuck in the 1980s jersey rocker mom oh you must like a like a video vixen oh i couldn't say no like a video vixen i believe in stacy so much their talent is amazing i you know she commits again to the kind of artistic indie films i love and so to play that role in the leather jacket big aquanet hair you know like i know i just dated myself again but the listeners will laugh and the leopard pants and the makeup that Allison Noel did, my incredible glam squad, that with the with the pink fuchsia lipstick. Anyway, we just got so into character. It was so much fun. I got to do my Jersey accent that I love and just a great sexy character role that I could sink my teeth into. And we shot that in November. And then prior to that, so I'm rewinding, which will segue to where I am now. Uh, again, Joshua Butler and I had shot a proof of concept for a project, a horror project, a hor- very smart horror project. Joshua doesn't mess around. He is genius. He's he's from the vlog franchise that he won tons of awards for when we met back in the day and at the horror festivals. And then he went on to direct vlog on MTV. And then he went on to direct the Vampire Diaries and the Magicians and the following with Kevin Bacon and the list goes on and on. He's brilliant. And so... We've been wanting to get together for a long time and create something. And so we filmed a proof of concept in October of last year, which was incredible. I mean, in the brief moments that he got to direct me, it was one of the most amazing direction I've ever had. And it brought me to tears. And I can't wait to continue this project with him. So when we all went into isolation for quarantine, I said to him, you know, I've, you know me, I've got to keep moving forward. I know this is a challenging time, but I am not putting my past projects, our past projects, all of my groups, you know, to rest. And I'll tell you, Stacey Lane Wilson is in full action. They're in post-production for the second age of Aquarius that'll be out. And uh, Mark Klebanoff is in post with our project script, uh, stripped, sorry, our project stripped. Yes. Edit there. And, um, So everybody's moving forward and we are moving forward now and we chose to be experimental, Josh and I, and we are currently filming while we we are finishing filming next week virtually with everyone who was involved in the project in isolation. We are filming virtually. And so this is exciting. And the title of this is Red Rooms. And anybody who, and we're going back to our horror roots, Josh and I, anybody who is into the dark web, and I mean really perusing and playing on the dark web, it's a group of people who are abducted 
and held captive. And this is real. This is very real. This happens. And wealthy people pay kind of like The Purge, you know, if you know about like if any fans of The Purge, Anarchy and The yeah. Purge series, wealthy people pay on the Internet sickos to like watch people be abused and and but this is more psychologically tortured we obviously and obviously we, we can't we can't hire our a-list uh, effects crews right now in isolation so <laughs> we're doing the best we can but a lot of it will be right. done in post-production with cgi so i mean it's i i'm i'm playing one of the leads and and david alpay from the vampire diaries and the tutors uh, this is incredible i don't even know what to say my girl Susan lanier bramlett again from the original west craven's hills have eyes and welcome back hotter and noah blake from teen witch back in the day and all the great t- he's a tv star and ricky dean logan from nightmare on elm street fame uh, again i am pinching myself again because here i sit and i'm like okay not to be disrespectful to a world crisis pandemic right now, but I'm in my home in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, this little girl from Philly originally, Philly, Jersey, New York, is in her home in Hollywood and still continuing to move forward, star in and produce a project during this. So how lucky am I? Hmm. Now I know why you only sleep for four hours, like you said. You're just always busy. <laughs> Well, I'm really, I'm really a vampire. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Brooke. Uh, last, yep. <laughs> how can, how can the listeners uh, find you on social media? So I am as active as I possibly have time to be. Um, I'm not so active lately because I'm trying to really respect what's going on in the world. But I am at Instagram at Brooke Lewis LA. Same thing, Twitter Brooke Lewis LA. Facebook fan page, Brooke Lewis LA. My website is brooklewis.com. And again, I am now proudly Brooke Lewis Bellis. We switched my name, listeners, so you can look me up under Brooke Lewis and Brooke Lewis Bellis. And I love my fans. I love new fans, old fans. I'm so grateful to have whatever I have in this crazy industry and world right now. And so I wouldn't be here without the fans, that's for sure. And my horror fans have followed me from horror to thrillers to sci-fi to drama to monster movies, you know, and now to TV. And I am so lucky. Mm-hmm. Brooke, this was a this was so much fun. And I want you to actually come back on I'd be honored anytime. So. Come on, we're we're Greek. I'm a fellow Greek now. There you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, this oh, was God. great. Yes, <laughs> this was we great. Do a rocky coast next time. There you go. Uh, thank you for coming on. This was fun. Thank you. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.